Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Sarah. And, and we're, we're the Stevensons. I'm a pastor to kids. And I'm trying to keep the kindergartners from rushing the stage during a magic trick. And, and this, this is, is the Kidman, Kidman Creatives Podcast. So today we're taking a second look at pivoting from crowd control to crowd engagement. We've looked at things from kind of a macro, big picture point of view, but let's get down to it. What do you do if you're a volunteer and you're sitting with kids and things seem to be getting out of control? How do you step in? Or even should you step in? What, what's going to be beneficial to the situation and what might not be so beneficial? And what should you do if you're a kids ministry pastor or leader and you're looking for ways to equip your volunteers in this specific area? You know, I remember years ago being a camp counselor with some middle school students. Oh dear. And yeah, and watching as a speaker tried desperately to keep the attention of the group. He had interesting stories to tell, but the crowd slowly started whispering, started talking, started getting out of control until finally he realized, "Oh wow, this whole crowd is out of control." <laughs> and he started to get desperate and say oh, things no. like Hey, don't don't worry. I've got a video to show you. Kids like oh, you no. like videos, don't you? You like videos. I got a video to show you at the end. So I'm dangling that like a carrot to see if you'll just listen up for a few minutes. Otherwise, if you don't listen up, I'm not going to play that video. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, it didn't work. And things at that point just got out of hand and out of control. And it was so hard for me to know as a 20-year-old... What do I do? Should I step hmm. in and try and quiet down the students around me? Should I let someone else, quote unquote, in charge, take care of it? And unfortunately, like I said, the whole situation, Sarah, just went out of control. I don't I know can, if I've even told you about imagine. this before. But <laughs> it just went out of control and went from bad to worse. The speaker lost his place. He got super confused and disoriented by what was happening. And we actually ended up finishing the chapel time early yep. and heading back to our cabins where the camp directors came by one at a time and uh, chewed out the cabins and the students <laughs> for not listening during the talk. And it was a tough situation. Hmm. Yeah, I would say one of the best things you can do as a leader in Kidman is equip your volunteers and leaders to assist you with this. So... Most Sundays, I'm part of uh, the team that hangs out with the kids during large group time. I sit in the audience with the kids and try to keep them from rushing the stage. Literally, this happens. Um, so here are some tips for volunteers working in that capacity. Um, if you're a leader of Kidmin, I think one of the most helpful things you can do is set expectations, not yep. only for the kids, but also for your volunteers and leaders. Yep. Um, and here are some of the top, I would say, three expectations that can be really helpful in this area. The first is talk to the kids. When the kids know that your volunteers care about them, um, if a volunteer shows them that they're fun, um, you don't have to know everything about kids and what they're into, by the way, to be fun. They sometimes just want to tell you their most random story from their weekend. <laughs> and all you have to do is say, hey, how was your weekend? And they just like jump in. Um, you really don't have to be an expert in kid uh, stuff to be able to talk to them. Um, and talking to them is so important. It's what really builds relationships with them. So sit and listen to them. Um, that's really important. Talk to the kids. 
The second is, I alluded to it, sit with the kids. So volunteers, I don't know if this is a problem for you and your ministry, but volunteers love to hang out together in the back of the room. That always happens. Yes. Everywhere I've been. Mm-hmm. In churches, at camps, in like special events. We we adults in the room. We love to chat. We like to chat and <laughs> hang out and be with each other. It's very tempting, but don't waste the opportunity to build relationships with the kids that you're working with. Yes, I remember um, I've been to many camps with Sean, and one of the things he always says is, camp is for the campers. campers. As a reminder to your volunteers that they really should be there for creating that fun environment for the kids. So sitting with the kids also facilitates the first talking to the kids. So um, whatever you can do, break up that hangout that's happening at the back of the room and say, hey, you know, you I noticed you have like 10 fourth graders here now and they seem a little wild. You should go talk to them. <laughs> um, so just a really great idea. Um, if you find that your volunteers just really like talking to each other and, and really are good friends, um, one of the things you can do is actually implement a huddle time at the beginning where they um, come a little bit earlier, maybe not 15 minutes late, and um, they can have a chance to talk to each other and pray for the service time um, and t- just catch up on whatever's going on. That could be a really great way to help with that um, potential issue. And then the third is be with the kids. When I say with, I mean with. So do all the motions, yes. do all the dance moves. Yes interact with the service the way a kid would. If the kid's pastor is on stage saying, you know, clap your hands and stomp your feet, you clap your hands and stomp your feet. Um, So if you're into it, even the toughest, toughest kids will crack eventually. (laughs) That's always my goal. If there's one kid that's like not doing, I'll just sit next to them and be the most ridiculous that I can possibly be just to see if I can get them to get into it. Sometimes with the older kids, they'll just roll their eyes at me, but they know that I care about them and want them to have a good time. So talk to the kids, sit with the kids, and be with them. So, and then the other thing to think about is what are some practical tools if you are having to maybe step in and correct a child because they're doing something distracting or dangerous or disrespectful? Yeah. You know, the thing to remember is be gentle, but firm with the kids when you're correcting them verbally. You know, get on their level to speak with them, make eye contact, and then make sure they understand why you're talking with them about whatever the issue is. Address the behavior very specifically. You know, if Johnny was talking to his neighbor, say, hey, Johnny, I'm talking to you right now because you were talking to your neighbor when we were supposed to be listening to the pastor and listening to what they were saying. And we talked about respecting the leaders and that wasn't very respectful of the leaders when you were doing that. So make sure you're very specific about why you're addressing an issue. Don't just say things like, well, you've just been bad or you've just been not paying attention. Really address it because some kids really don't know why you might be talking to them. Mm. They might not actually be aware of what it is that they've done. And so addressing it very specifically is so important. And then also addressing the impact that the behavior is having. So really talking about, you know, 
This is why we don't throw crayons at Susie across the room. Because <laughs> poor of, Susie. I know, poor Susie. Because a crayon might hit Susie in the head, and that might hurt. And we don't want to hurt each other. We want to respect each other and take care of one another. Mm-hmm. And so addressing the potential impact or the impact that a situation has had goes a long way in helping kids understand, okay, now I know what I did, and now I also know why it's maybe hurtful or it didn't help the situation. One thing to really note, too, as you're working with kids is please do not use touch to correct, such as grabbing a kid's arm or shoulder tightly. This is really something that it's you don't know what triggers and what traumas a kid who's walked into your ministry has come with. And so using touch as a corrective can be actually a really hurtful thing to the child. You want to always make sure you keep that little bit of a barrier between you and that kid by not using touch. You want to address them verbally and talk to them. You know, and just as a side note to pastors, directors, if you don't have a policy about safe touch, you should. We use uh, our denomination safety policy to guide our behavior and discipline procedures. And it's a very different world than a long time ago. So we need to make sure to protect our volunteers and our kids by having a good safe touch process in place. You really, like I said, you don't know what traumas a child has been through or what is going to trigger a child. So it's just really important to not make any assumptions, not react in the moment at the Mm. level that they might be at. Instead, thinking through how can I de-escalate this situation? How can I bring a calming presence? You know, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And I think there's something to that. I remember one time there was a child who was having a really tough night. And just a really, really tough night. And, And it ended up with them trying to push over another child. And so we actually were able to step outside with the child who had done the pushing and sat down. And as this child was crying and was just in a place of being just really overstimulated by what was happening in the room, uh, I was able to sit with that child and say, hey, you know, here's what happened. Like, let's take a deep breath. Let's calm down a second. I got him a cup of water so this child could drink a little bit of water. Mm. And then what was interesting is the parent of this child saw how I was handling the situation. And I actually didn't even know that the parent had come in at that moment to see as they had called for this parent. Mm. And the parent said, Sean, thank you so much for the way you're handling this. We've done a lot of work with, you know, trying to... Um, do things in a safe way and de-escalate and calming and so I really am appreciative of how you're handling this situation so just always think about how can I be a calming presence in the midst of this disruption or behavior issue because that is going to be so much more powerful as you deal with it than if you go in and you're reactive and you're being a little upset and angry and kind of matching tone with tone that's not going to help the situation. It's going to make it worse. Yeah. Um, some other things I would say to keep in mind are um, kind of like what you were saying, Sean. You don't really know what a kid's got going on in their life. Um, but also just don't assume that a child who's moving or is super responsive while you're trying to give a lesson, <laughs> uh, don't assume that that child is bad. Don't be quick mm-hmm. to label them that way. And I would say encourage the positive interactions or yes. outbursts. Um, I'll never forget, um, we had, 
I side note, I think that children just like gravitate towards different types of volunteers. And for whatever <laughs> reason, I have been blessed in my life to um, have the challenging children uh, gravitate towards me. So for a long time, there was this one child in our ministry who um, was my buddy. And um, I'll never forget, Sean was up up front teaching and giving this wonderful lesson about how, you know, we all have gifts and, and God wants to use us. And like, he just looked at me and then he, he like turned to me and he said, Miss Sarah. And then he like very seriously, and this is all while Sean's still teaching. He lifts up my hair and says, I don't have a gift. And he <laughs> yelled gift very loud in my ear. And at that moment, I had a choice. Do I, like, panic because this child is now yelling at me? <laughs> or do I just calmly respond? And I said, well, you know, that's actually not true. I said to this child, you know, you actually have a lot of gifts that other kids in this ministry don't have. You notice details that other kids mm -hmm. don't see, and you always are trying to help us, you know, and this child would like to help Pastor Sean in the middle of lessons oftentimes. <laughs> but, um, you know, he had a heart to serve and help and notice things that needed to be fixed. So, you know, I used the opportunity, even though it was in the midst of everything and it was a conversation happening while the lesson was going, um, I used it as an opportunity to encourage this child and tell him, you know, no, you do have a gift. Um, God has made you special and there are things that you bring to this world that other people don't have. So, um, it's okay um, to encourage those kinds of conversations, I would say, with kids. And don't miss the opportunity to have those. Another thing I'd say is if a child is persistently distracting or out of control, um, check in with them and ask them how they're doing. Um, and especially find out if they've had breakfast. A lot mm -hmm. of times we've had kids who it's like, there's yep. a pattern of behavior here. And we realize like, oh, they're like coming and they don't leave church till noon. And they're like hungry so um kids are sensitive to those kinds of um, things if they haven't slept that much or you know if they're in a family that um you know they live in two different places maybe they're with one parent one weekend and one the next you know there's lots of different things in their life that might be contributing to how they're feeling when they arrive at your church in the morning well and one thing that does often happen to be aware of when it comes to especially kids who live in different homes is sometimes church gets used as the place where the transition between parents happens. And that can make church itself a place that can become a stressor for that kid. And so the kid yeah. walks into that space knowing my whole life is about to change for the next week. I'm going to be in a different space. I have to adapt to different rules. And that can be a major stressor for a kid. So a kid who's coming in being grumpy and cranky, might have a situation that you don't know about. And so always mm. walking into those things with grace and being aware that maybe I don't know the whole story behind this kid. Maybe I don't know what's happening at home. Maybe I don't know what just happened in the car on the way here. And being aware of that and giving yourself the grace as well to say, you know what, I don't need to react. I can respond to what is happening. Yeah, I think that's really great. I think that's that's one of the most important things is, you know, to just sit down with the child and find out what's going on with them. Um, and I will say, if things escalate to a point that really is beyond your comfort level, especially as a volunteer, 
Um, I would say you need to communicate with your pastor or children's ministry director about a child's behavior um, and especially talk to them about it before you confront or talk to parents. Um, and that the reason why is because pastors may have an additional context about the child or be already be in conversation with the family about ongoing struggles that the child might be having. There's just you don't always know the whole situation, especially if you're walking in, um, you know, a couple times a month. So. Um, I would just say do not confront parents or accuse them or blame them. It just is never helpful. Um, you should always check in with your children's ministry leader um, before um, going to that next level, I would say. And as a side note, um, if you're like me and you're a pastor's spouse and not someone who is on the church's payroll, it's really helpful to have boundaries when it comes to some of these issues. Yeah. Um, I know for me, volunteers often would come to me or do come to me to tell me things that kids are doing or like, <laughs> oh, this kid's acting out again. And can't, we just really need to talk to that parent and like figure this out with them. Um, and the thing is, um, I that's it's not my job or my responsibility ultimately to to handle these situations. Um, so while Sean may be busy running around like handling glitter apocalypses and other <laughs> things, ultimately he's the one that answers for what is happening in the children's ministry, and he will need to be involved. So, um, I, just as a side note, I think it's helpful to have those boundaries as a volunteer or as a pastor spouse. <clears throat> Yeah, and, you know, there's a lot of other things that we could talk about, too. But these are some of the top things that, you know, if you're a volunteer or if you're training volunteers, these are some top things to think about. And if you are the staff or volunteer in charge, these are things to make sure you document, have a policy that you can use in training with your volunteers. If you oh, yeah, don't tell your volunteers what you expect of them, they won't know what to do or yeah. what to expect. Like, for instance, back to my story about being at the middle school camp. I don't know what I was supposed to do in mm. the middle of a chapel time when students were getting out of control. I hadn't been given training on that. And so as I sat there wondering, do I say something? Do I jump in on this? It would have been so helpful if the camp directors had ahead of time said, hey, you know what? When we're in chapel time, if students around you are talking or being noisy, feel free to tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, let's make sure we're listening right now instead of allowing a situation to get so out of control like it did. You know, the other thing, speaking of trainings, we'll talk more about volunteer trainings in another episode, but one thing to keep in mind as a leader is that it is really helpful to have different types of volunteers <laughs> in your ministry. People of different ages, men, women, energetic people, calm people, extroverts, introverts. Kids need different things oh, and yes. they really do gravitate towards different kinds of people. Unfortunately. <laughs> and sometimes they just connect with one leader over another. Yeah. And sometimes it's like that one leader comes in and says the same thing you've been trying to say to the group and the kid just listens all of a sudden. Yeah. Because they have a relationship and a connection to that leader that is different than from with you. So it really is something to think about as you go about building your volunteer team. Like, does your volunteer team reflect the different types of kids that are in your group? Mm. And in those trainings, when you're working with volunteers, make policies and stick to them. Oh, yes. Make sure to be following through 
on your policies, the ways that you handle things, and be consistent. If you start to let things slide, it will continue to slide. It won't get better. So be aware of what are my policies on bathrooms? What are my policies on drink breaks? Those two things. (laughs) Oh, the drink breaks. They never end. (laughs) It's always inevitable. It'll be, you know, we'll be playing a game. No one ever needs a drink of water during a game. No one ever needs to go to the bathroom during a game. Only during the lesson. (laughs) During the message, during the prayer experiential response station, during the worship song. Those are always the times when kids are like, I have to go get a drink. I really need a drink right now. And I need to go with all my friends. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, me and five others all need to go get a drink at the drinking fountain at this moment. But no, just have a plan in place. What is your policy going to be for that? And then stick to your policy. Same with like snacks. This is something that's so interesting. Kids sometimes bring snacks with them and they eat them during a message. And sometimes it's really distracting (laughs) for the kids around that kid. Well, yeah. Wouldn't you want to like have those snacks too? Yes. I want all those Oreos. I want a (laughs) Chips Ahoy. I want a Ritz. My favorite is the kids who come with like their pockets stuffed with like candy (laughs) and like toys and other stuff or their dutch brothers or starbucks oh, or yeah. various other coffee dutch places brothers. we're going northwest yeah. yeah that's in the northwest <laughs> but various other coffee places they're large coffee drinks that i always look at and i think oh wow oh, no <laughs> this is gonna be one of those mornings <laughs> here we go So, okay, we've talked a bit about what to do when you're the one sitting with the kids and assisting the kids, but let's talk for a minute about what do you do if you are up front speaking specifically? And the kindergartners are running at you. (laughs) So if you're the speaker and you're sharing a story from the Bible or a message with the kids, one of the things that will inevitably happen is a kid raises their hand or doesn't, and asks a question, (laughs) or has a general comment. It's usually, I have a question. (laughs) Well, actually, is it, my mom, my mom is a teacher, and she would always know, is it a question, or is it a comment? And we'd be like, oh, man, it's a comment. (laughs) I actually appreciate, there's this one um, kid who's in one of our children's ministries, and she always says, when she raises her hand, she'll say, well, actually, I have more of a comment or a suggestion than a question. And then proceed to talk about her comment or suggestion. I appreciate it. But sometimes you do get questions that range from very serious things to things that are really funny and you're trying to not laugh because you're just, (laughs) you just can't even get past how funny the question is. You know, sometimes kids throw in questions like, what are some of the best ones you've got? Oh, well, of course, (laughs) the old standby. So did Adam and Eve really have belly buttons? Excellent question. Or one of my favorites was, Pastor Sean, will there be Wi-Fi in heaven? (laughs) (laughs) Or to other things that are bordering more on the serious side like can jesus forgive my dog's sin Mm. because really in that question there's another question behind it that's will my dog be able to have eternal life too Mm. like is this is this a possibility you know and sometimes kids ask things that are even more serious like well is there something so bad that Jesus couldn't forgive it? Mm. Or how do I know that God actually loves me? You know, those questions I've been asked by kids. 
And sometimes those are more difficult to answer than the funny ones, like, is there Wi-Fi in heaven? Will it snow in heaven? Because those questions are coming from a place that are really serious for that child, and they are asking some really difficult questions. They're really processing and and, and having, like, this personal internal dialogue about something. And so when questions like this come up, you have some options. You know, if you have a small group time that's after a large group message, it might be best, depending on the question, to toss that one to the small group time. And either if you feel like the small group leaders, oh yeah, they could handle that question, or you can come and visit that small group to talk with them about that question. Sometimes questions might come up that you might just have to say, you know, That is a great question, (laughs) and I am actually not sure what the answer is. So let me do some research and find out. So if you're given a serious theology question from a kid, like, is there something so bad that Jesus couldn't forgive it? Go and talk with someone like your pastor or do some researching of the answer through theology books or resources or throughout scripture. You know, take a look at some of those things. Yeah, something else that I think is really key to think about is that you should never make up answers to give to kids. We really want to be honest with them. And and sometimes, honestly, kids ask questions that we just don't have answers for ourselves even. So you want to be honest and say, you know, I don't know, but we'll do our best to find out or let's try to learn more about that together. It can be an opportunity for you even to have a conversation or a follow-up conversation with that child um, afterwards. You know, and do follow up on those things. You know, if you're like me, you have something called Sunday brain, where on a, real. <laughs> on a Sunday morning, if someone tells me something, it often goes through one ear and right out the other. So I always, when someone's asked me a question, or if someone needs to, for me to know some information on a Sunday, I tell them, okay, I'm pulling out my phone so I can write this down in my brain. Otherwise, I will forget. <laughs> And so making sure you do follow up on those questions. Don't just let it linger because that kid is really looking for an answer. Mm -hmm. And they might be looking to you and asking, are you going to bring an answer back to me? So, All right. So what about questions that are not appropriate? Yes. You know, every now and again, there is that kid that throws something out that they know they're being provocative They know they're saying something because they think it'll make kids around them laugh Mm -hmm. or it's going to be something that'll be a little shocking and get them some attention. This is a thing that does happen. So what do you do if something like that is brought up? Usually I say something, especially if the question is inappropriate, I will often stop them in the middle of their question and Mm -hmm. be like, hey, you know what? That is a great, like, thank you for asking a question. I'm glad you're asking questions, but that question is not one we're going to be talking about today. And I usually follow up on those and say, hey, you know what? You asked this earlier. This really wasn't something that was appropriate, and it's not something we're going to be talking about here. And just having that honest conversation with that child about, yeah, that's not something we're going to talk about. I don't go further into the topic about why we're not talking about it. I just let them know this is something that is inappropriate and maybe because it was on a topic that was, you know, something that other kids are not ready to hear or Mm -hmm. it was something that really was not kind to a group of people or any of the above. Or it was totally irrelevant. Sometimes kids will bring up stuff just to, that's a total sidetrack from what is happening in the moment. So 
Yeah, like it, when we've done things like, does anyone have any questions about Jesus and who Jesus is? And a kid will say something like, well, was Jesus really a goldfish? And they'll say just silly yeah. things like that. And I usually just move past those and say, you know what? Thank you for asking that question, but that's not one that we're going to talk about. And no, Jesus was not a goldfish. Jesus was fully God, fully man, and lived here on earth a long time ago and, you know, died on the cross, came back to life. He is our savior if we choose to follow him. So you can ask kids also to hold on to questions and mm. ask you afterward about it. If you if that's more of your time frame is running out or you feel like oh, this question might be actually derailing us to a side tangent. You know, mm. so that might be a place where you can just move the question to the end and say, hey, come talk to me right afterwards. However, that being said, sometimes the Holy Spirit leads in a direction you did not intend to go. Hmm. And a kid asks a really great question. One time I was teaching on Jesus being a servant and washing the feet of the disciples right after the week before we had talked about Jesus entering Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, and being praised as a king. Hmm. And this little first grade boy raised his hand and said, Pastor Sean, how can Jesus be a king and a servant at the same time? Ooh. And now technically that question was quote unquote off topic, but it was the perfect question in the moment because that kid was thinking and processing and yeah. re relating two different things that he had heard. And because we ended up having a great conversation about, about how Jesus is a different kind of king. He's also a servant, and he showed us how to love one another, and by being an example of humility to do something as kind of gross and smelly as washing someone's feet. <laughs> it was the perfect question in that moment, and I really believe it was prompted by the Holy Spirit's guiding. Hmm. So you want to be listening to that too and say, okay, we might be going off topic a little bit here, but this question is really important. And it's one that we should take some time to answer. Well, thanks for being creative with us today. We hope you're feeling like you have a few more tools and strategies for helping kids to engage in what's happening rather than just you trying to survive another Sunday. You know, if you like what you've been hearing, leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform. The Kidman Creatives is a podcast hosted by Sean and Sarah Stevenson. Scripture quotations are taken from the Holy Bible, New Living Translation, copyright 1996, 2004, 2015 by Tyndale House Foundation. Used by permission of Tyndale House Publishers, Inc., Carroll Stream, Illinois, 60188. All rights reserved. Well, that's all for now. We'll see you next time. 